0: thank you for tuning back in to the Broken Hearts podcast. It's Java here and what a show we have for you today as we are joined by ex-Heart Starlet, an all-around good guy and die-hard Jambo, Chris O'Neill. How are you doing Chris? Very anyway, well boys, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, before we, we continue, better introduce all the other idiots on the call. <laughs> um, Simon, Hammy, Paddy and Jolly Jambo are here and uh, I think we'd all like to wish you a, a big happy birthday for tomorrow Chris, happy birthday like
1: one 40 year old
0: 40 years old um, I suppose there's there's nothing else you'd rather be doing the night before your big milestone birthday. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> Speaking to us today, it's for for another or so.
1: Some old friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's
0: just kind of like this is your life, <laughs> 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 and you a, a, a bunch of old fogies that retired twenty years ago, but they say, they say 40 is the new thirty, Chris. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so tonight we're gonna we're gonna go through kind of all your career um, from initially coming to Hearts as a teenager right through to where you're at now. Um, but first of all, since there's been some some bits and bobs over the last week, um, and actually Hearts back on telly or on Hearts TV, um, did you watch the the, part of the game on Saturday? Chris?
1: Yes, I caught it. Uh, some some really bright moments, a few bright sparks. I thought Jamie, Jamie Walker looked really really exciting. Looks like he's yeah. getting a little bit. Back to himself. Obviously, he's had a long break to kind of get his fitness built up. Maybe he looked sharp. Uh, I thought a few a few of the boys looked pretty sharp. It was good to see. Obviously, Peter Harran coming back as well. That's a that's a huge plus. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, get up to speed before Halloween.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. the the most important game in the calendar. Absolutely. Do no. uh, you think uh, you think Jamie Walker suits the the number ten role better than playing out wide now?
1: He does. Uh, well, you can kinda of drift with that position, obviously you're not set in that position. You can kinda of drift inside, you can drift outside. It gives him a bit of a license. And obviously Robbie knows knows him well and gets the best out of him. So yeah. I, I expect him to get maybe maybe fifteen goals this season, ten to fifteen goals, which was which is a good return. But yeah, excited about it. I'm excited about Jamie Walker this season.
0: That's a big show, Chris, Some of these boys don't even think Liam Boyce will get fifteen goals next
1: season. <laughs> <laughs> I never say they will. I said they could if if they hit the ground running. He certainly, it's, it's certainly look. I mean, kind of tune regularly to obviously Harts Instagram and all that, and you watch your training sessions, and it's only training. But you know, he's he's looking, he's looking really sharp. his finishing looks good. Same right. could be said about Craig White, and I, I think he's starting to
3: don't do it, Chris.
1: Confidence back until the fans kind of come back and ruin that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, he he looks like he's beefed up a wee bit. Um, and mm-hmm. like I said, I thought when he came kind of centrally in the second half on Saturday, with a handful, and he probably should have went down for a penalty. But to be honest, for his own good. Yeah. So no, okay. I think it's exciting. There's it a lot of pace in the team, and obviously Andy Irvine kind of you know, doing things in the middle of the park and kind of orchestrating yeah, it. All. Yeah. His passing, range of passing is tremendous, and. And obviously Andy Halliday today will kind of raise a few eyebrows and kind of divide the support. But for me, I think he's a he's a, I've always been a tidy of football.
4: Also good to have a backup up to A.D. White <laughs> at left back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I said I I argue with my brothers all the time about Ben Garuccio. Uh I think it, when he first came, he looked pretty promising. Um, really good left foot. Scored a couple of great goals. Uh, I think he's obviously the injuries kind of set him back a wee bit. Eh? So, mm-hmm. no, I th- I, I've got hopes for him, but he needs a run of games and he needs, he needs to get his confidence up because I think he's, he's lacking in that just now.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and You've touched on Halliday. We'll, uh, we'll ask Hammy for a statement in just a moment. <laughs> um, should we better touch on Adam Hickey, boys?
2: It's I been, a, on, yeah. it's been on two
0: months. Two months of speculation, and since last week's show, Hickey has actually left the club, finally. Paddy as our European, European correspondent. Are you glad to see it finally over the line?
3: Well, I'm glad you're going to stop asking about them. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Christ. Well, um, I started um, tonight for, Parm- uh, for Bologna against Parma. Yeah.
0: Big o- opportunity for them. no against Ibrahimovic, else, but... but still. Yeah. Aye, good luck, Tom. Good luck, Tom. Um. It's just a shame he's not right-back, eh? (laughs) He's already been in the Scotland (laughs) squad. They might get in the Scotland
1: number 21s now, maybe, but I doubt it. Starting at Serie A, he should get a 21 squad pretty soon, but Scott Gemmell seems to have no idea who he is.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that he's missed a few squads, but I think, do you not think a lot of the time, Chris, it's the manager saying, when they're that young and they're playing so regularly for the first team, that often they don't go away with the international, the under-21 team.
1: Yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I've, I've seen. All I can say is I've seen some of the under twenty one boys. Uh, obviously, the left back Harvey, and obviously he's nowhere near the same level as Hickey. Uh, so it's obviously some kind of political reason either the club stopping him going across, or, or because it's, it's just simply ridiculous that he's not in that squad. Really, he should be getting international minutes and, and kind of. You know, because obviously international football at that level is pretty high as well. So, you know, he's not too good for it. Uh, he needs to get a few games
0: there before he goes into kind of the first team. Yeah, Aye, absolutely. It'd be a brilliant experience for him. Um, so before we get started then, Chris, um, Hammy, Andy Halliday has signed. <laughs> Can we have your
5: your official statement, please? Um, listen, he'll definitely improve the team. No doubt about it. And I actually seen on Twitter the day a video of him having a goal. Uh, hearts fans when he was playing for Rangers, and it made me go. That's why I hate him a wee bit. But at the same time, you need these type of players in your team. You need the uh, you need players that other fans hate, that other teams hate playing against. So you know he's now in a Hearts top. So I'll support him, but still have a wee bit, of, you know, anger deep down. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, let's start with you. Um, Coming to Hearts, so you, you started at Granton Boys Club, I believe, and you were brought into the first team by Jim Jeffries in 1998, which as many, well, as all Hearts fans will remember as some team, you know, won in the Scottish Cup in 1998, you were signed just after that. Um, so who were you in the youth squad with? Who else was coming through at that time? Who do you remember? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I kind of left school at, at fifteen. That'll probably shock a lot of you, obviously. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Was. So I went straight, straight basically to an apprenticeship. It was, it was called the ground staff back then. So I signed a kind of a, a YTS form. Uh, I was there from the age of fifteen till eighteen, which mm-hmm. took me, I think, into nineteen ninety eight. With uh Nineteen ninety nine were assigned full, full professional terms. Yeah. Obviously, that was an exciting time, kind of coming out of school. Um, obviously, been a massive jambo. and and I you know, had a lot of other clubs getting kind of interested. Uh, you know, a couple of clubs down south and things like that. Uh Arsenal were quite interested. Uh, wow. Blackburn mm-hmm. Rovers. Celtic were quite interested in Hibs, which was obviously a non-starter. <laughs> I think, think you've definitely made you know, the wrong
4: choice, Chris.
1: At that, <laughs> at that age, you know, you, you do, you know, the kind of group of players at that, that, you know, you, you'll get touted around all the clubs and things. So I trained a few times. I remember playing for Celtic in Springburn once and I wore my heart strip underneath so it didn't really touch the skin. but um yeah it was always Harts for me because obviously my heart staff family my brothers and stuff so they were all pushing me in a direction of signing for Hearts. so there was no real chance of me signing anywhere else but it was a bit of a dream come true obviously you're you're training obviously at that age of 15 16 you're setting out the gear you're putting the goals up but you know you're training you also get to train with the first team quite a lot uh, little small-sided games so you no, know, I was training with guys like you know Robertson and Mackay and Pahoon, Levine and all that. You know, it was a great experience. So uh, it's like being a kid in a candy store, as they say. It was like loving life. Uh, and then my, the guys I grew up with in the youth team, that was guys like Robbie Nielsen, uh, Craig Gordon. Uh, I remember Kenny Milne and things like that. Scott Severin. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. So we had a we, won, we had a really good youth team. We actually won the Scottish Youth Cup the same two days before mm-hmm. we won the. Uh, actual Scottish Cup so that was a magic time that whole week leading up to it and I managed to kind of score a goal in the final maybe five or six thousand fans at the game and then obviously winning the cup for the first time in 36 years just you know a magic time to be part of the club and for a guy like me it was just a you know a dream come true at that time. So,
5: so what was it like training with the first team for the first time like you said a few of the players like Scott Severin, and John Robertson and all that as being a sort of 16-year-old laddie, what is that like? Oh,
1: incredible. <clears throat> I was probably more nervous at training than I was, you know, in games uh, because I was training with like international players and, and they would let you know about it. You know, they wouldn't just like, it was a kind of tough schooling. They wouldn't, if you gave the ball away, they wouldn't you know, try and put an arm around your shoulder. You would get slaughtered, you know. So you, had, you had Gary McKay balling at you, Robertson balling at you, Craig Levine. So it's a very tough school for a young boy to grow up. But I think that's what they did back then. It was a lot. You know they didn't mollycoddle you. You had to, you know, stand your ground and, and kind of and and look after yourself and and really perform every day. But the standard was was way beyond what I imagined because I was like the cream of the crop at under fifteen, 16s coming through Grant Boys Club and all that, scoring goals. Thought a new football when you kind of come in and you couldn't get a touch. You know that it's one touch they're, they're away for you. John Coon's probably the best trainer I've ever seen. He was just scoring like worldlies every minute of the day, uh, and, and obviously Robertson's finishing. You know, he was he was left, left foot, right foot, top corner. Uh, he, would, he would curl them in, he would bend them in, he would dink them in. He was just the best finisher I've ever seen. It was unbelievable.
5: Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Jim Jeffrey signs you. So what was your relationship like with him oh, as yeah. a manager as well? I mean, we've we've talked about him on the podcast before about how we would all. Just take them. Just in our lives in general. So, like as a manager, what was he like? With you, especially as a young guy, come through.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, when I first signed, he kind of when I first went full time, my first day, it was pre-season. It just took me to the side. He goes, "I've got high hopes for you. I've heard all about you, obviously, but this is where the hard work starts. Uh, but I'll I'll have your back, kind of thing. I know you're a big jambo and I'll try my best to get you you to the first team. But you're gonna have to obviously work hard. So, right away, I think because all the guys at my age group. I had a, I had a, a group of about 15, 20 guys kind of coming through, uh, 15, 16, 17 and anchor I I was only Hearts fan at the, at the club, wow. maybe one or two in the first team. I think Gary, yeah. Gary Mackay, Robbo was kind of obviously a Hearts fan, but um, it was it was you no know, there was no many Hearts fans about. So I think that I was always, you know, uh, Jeffries would always give me that kind of back in and look after me and he would always come to youth team games and kind of te- and, and critique me and things like that so yeah it was uh he was brilliant with me and I lo- I loved him as a guy he was very very scary <laughs> obviously if he lost his temper uh, he, you know he would give you the hair dryer treatment and stuff but on the flip side if he done well he would, he would reward you so it was no, I loved Jim Jeffers yeah
5: he sounds like it and again glad that he's back at the club now yeah, um, absolutely. so in that team that you you started with who were who the big characters there like again you've mentioned like John Roberts and John Calhoun, even like Gary Locke and things were they were they as well helping you along or I know you said they, they didn't sort of treat you like a youngster but yeah, who, who was the biggest guy in there that you would look up to uh,
1: Gary was very I was very close with Gary still am to this day uh, so he 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 took me under his wing a wee bit. Just with being a Hearts fan again, uh, uh, big characters. <laughs> Gary McKay, he was like the biggest moaner you could ever imagine. <laughs> 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 like, uh, honestly, like, Pasquale Bruno just used to wind him up every single day, and oh, it like they were almost boxing every single day at training. <laughs> uh, Pasquale Bruno was a, a big character. Robo was a big character. Uh, Craig Levine, I think I would say Dave McPherson as well. You know. All those guys had been with Hearts for years and years, so they were the ones that you would always want to get on the right side of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, They've been, yeah. That, that, they were the main characters, I would say.
5: And out of them, who would you say was the best player in the squads, in your opinion? Uh,
1: uh, Robertson by by a country mile. Aye. Aye. Uh, he was. He was special. You know, he never ever missed a target. You know, training and games. He would that was his thing. He would never say I don't aim for the top corner. I don't aim for you know, inside the post. I just aim at hit the target. It, sometimes he said just aim for the goalkeeper, because nine times out of ten it'll go under his legs or
5: yeah
1: i get, get there'll be a rebound back. It was all about hitting the target with him. You know, it wasn't trying and being fancy and bending it in the top corner and things. He was and he had the hardest shot I've ever I remember I had a shot with the youth team keeper and it almost broke his arm. Like <laughs> <laughs> saved it with his wrist and it went <laughs> it was one of the hardest shots I've ever seen. But he was both, both footed and very intelligent. So yeah. he taught me a lot about the kind of the art of, kind of protecting the ball and things like that. And obviously I wasn't the biggest, but I, I, and I, I could shield the ball pretty well and I had a good first touch, but that was probably mainly down to him because he would take me away and, and work on things like that.
5: So would you do sort of like extra training and things? Yeah. With yeah.
1: Him? He would just ping balls up to me and, and, and teach me. You know, He would say, like, try and get the ball off me. So you know, I would try and get around his big, his big backside, and try and get <laughs> the ball. And I, you couldn't get near it because it was just so strong. His thighs and his bum, oh, Like that was Robertson's main game, wasn't it? Mackay would play it up to him. He would hold it in and lay it off. Uh, so for me, that was uh, yeah. He, he was teaching me that art. He kind of backing into players and and protecting it and things like that. So um, my touch was pretty good at, at, that, at that level.
5: I've seen you at fives. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Certainly got a big bum now. That's for sure.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so you were there with Jim Jeffries and also uh, the famous struggling Billy Brune. Um have you got any Billy Brune stories? Any funny stories about uh, Billy Brune? He is he is quite a character. He just, yeah,
1: he was a he was, a, he was, a, he was a character. Uh, we were uh, coming uh, training at Arthur Street once, and as we kind of we used to do run around them, we were doing the warm up on the way back. Easter Road was, you know, couldn't miss it. So I kinda of had the audacity to say, Billy, where's any idea where Easter Road is for here? So he goes, I oh, think it is over there. And I went, "Oh, it was so obvious that it was it was Easter Road. The whole all well, the boys started laughing and all that. And he made me run home from (laughs) r The time castle, like a 10 mile run, it took me about three days. (laughs) So uh, I never, and honestly, he he never spoke to me for about four weeks after it. But but he's another one I got on really well with, but he he, he never suffered fools, gladly. That's for sure. I've got one last story I'll tell you, if you you want to put in or not, it's funny, but uh, I was in apprenticeship and I was, my ground staff and uh, Colin Cram, who was uh, played for Doncaster. I don't know if you remember him. Hearts Hamilton was a goal scoring machine. He, I'd got cheeky him. I said something like that, something to him, and the whole team kind of went, "Ooh, the wrong person." He didn't want to do that, so I got back for training once, and all my gear was gone, completely gone. And uh, they were saying, "You have to, <laughs> you have to go outside and see where your your closer." So the new Wheatfield stand. The very top of the floodlights, I seen like what looked like a jumper and a pair of trainers. He had literally climbed up the top of the floodlights at the wheatfield stand and goes, "Go and get your stuff." <laughs> so the whole the whole ground staff are sitting here watching me, and the whole first team and all that, what climbing up, and it was a a thunderstorm and like a hurricane. Blizzard <laughs> in my face. I could. There was no there was no safety harness here. I was literally climbing up a. 15-year-old climbing up a floodlight. The health and safety people would go berserk with this, right? Climbing up a floodlight. I could see the whole Edinburgh. I could see Edinburgh Castle. I'm (laughs) clinging on for dear life onto a floodlight. I was actually scared I was going to die. I was freezing. I lost the sensation of my hands. And they're all like laughing and all that at the bottom. of Like They just looked like wee ants. They were that far away. (laughs) It's like you're saying, it's a different time. You wouldn't get away with that nowadays. But (laughs) genuinely... Looked Edinburgh Castle through the blizzard and like hanging on to the floodlight at the Wheatfield stand. <laughs> so uh, that was absolutely mental.
0: That's brilliant.
3: Uh, what sort of challenges did you face coming through and what sort of cha- What do you think the difference is between young players coming nowadays to when you came through?
1: That's a good question. It's night and day. So we, we, we obviously worked very, very hard. Um, every day our, our fitness and stuff would run every single day but we'd start really early so we'd be in at seven in the morning cleaning boots uh changing doing the changing rooms cleaning the toilets all you know all the kind of horrible jobs that you know uh putting players gear uh, gear out and stuff like that and then you would have to kind of load the goals because they never had a training ground back then we were kind of all over the place we were at mm. you know roseburn we were at pinky and Musselboro. so you put the, the ball the goals and the on, on the top of the goals, that you know, and you have to tie them on and things. And I remember one time we were, we were training at Roseburn and uh the goals never got tied on and it was me. I never tied it on properly. And one of the posts just came flying out the back at 20 mile an hour and smashed right into a Mercedes Benz front window.
0: Oh!
1: <laughs> and, and like the actual... Everyone went silent on the on the bus and like who done like Peter Houston's like who the F done that and the was like, it was Chris it was Chris. <laughs> <laughs> they put me much in the river uh, yeah but it was you no know, little jobs like that and things so it wasn't it wasn't the most glamorous uh, so I think a lot of the young boys coming through today Paddy are obviously you know they, they've, they've got everything they've been brought up on the computer they've not really had tough school tough schooling they've never been, maybe been shouted at we we get shouted at every day. Uh, and it was really, really tough, you know. Uh,
5: different yeah. world, yeah.
1: It is a different world.
4: Well, like more of an an apprenticeship, whereas now it feels like you're just kind yeah. preferential treatment instead. Aye.
1: Yes, they treat they treat their their young kids like commodities now, obviously, because I think a lot of them have got agents and things. We've never even dreamed of that until you kind of got a professional contract and obviously down England, it's a lot different. Guys are like millionaires and things and they never kicked a ball for the first team. That just never, you know, never happened. You know, I had to earn every penny that you got back then, eh? So had to yeah. earn a contract and things like that. So, yeah.
3: What's uh, what's your thoughts on the current crop of youngsters?
1: I, I don't know much about it. So I used to be a lot more in tune with the youngsters coming through. Obviously, I know ones like Cochrane and McDonald, who I've always rated, but they seem to have maybe slipped back a little bit. Um, Brandon... I wouldn't really kind of class him as young. I'm not a big fan of him. I do think that he has got ability. He shows glimpses. Even on Saturday, it was a great, a great ball in. showed good pace, but he's a bit rash for me. And he kind of defensively, positionally, sort of a few horrible games out, you know, against the old firm away from home. I've been there. So I don't I don't know too much, because there's that many youth team players now at Hearts. You know, there's, there's too many to choose from. They've got so many kids in the academy. Right. And a lot of them get sent out on loan. I know what Connor Smith's a a really good player, I really rate him highly. Uh He's just
0: yeah. went out on loan Connor today, Chris. It- What's that? He's just went out on loan to Arbroath today. Connor yes. Smith.
1: That's that's actually a good move. Arbro are obviously yeah. half, half decent and he'll get game time and he'll definitely toughen up down there in that in that <laughs> weather <laughs> by the sea.
3: <laughs> yeah. Do any of the players that are playing at the moment remind you of the players that you played with when you were back at the club?
1: Uh, not really. Uh, I wouldn't say anybody really reminds me. Uh, I think players now are probably a little bit better. They're, they're probably better coached, uh, and, and the game was very. It was. It was a lot. You know, a lot of the the, the, the two. I think they're too coached at times. Uh, with their movement and things, there's not a lot of players kind of off the cuff. Uh, back then when I was playing, I wouldn't say the standard's better now, don't get me wrong, I just think they're, 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 they're better coaches, they've got better coaches. Where we, we would, it was difficult because we had to kind of play off the cuff and things like that. And, and kind of use a bit of magic to get someone, uh, get past people and things. And you're more encouraged to take people on and kind of eliminate players. Whereas I think it's more, you know, one-dimensional, get out wide, you know, yeah. uh, and passing, passing their way through rather than showing a bit of ability. Uh, but Robbie is good at that. I think Robbie, more so than 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 most coaches we've had recently, does does do that. He's quite articulate in that. He will take players aside and 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 work on one to ones and and how to break teams down. Where I don't think you kind know, of guys like Levine would do that. They'll just kind of defend from the front and kind of try and nick a goal. Where Robbie's more proactive. You know, I'm not saying he's the most tactical guy in the world. Like he's, he's got a little bit of defensive, you know, uh, tactic. Tactics wise, he's a bit defensive, but I think he, he does know how to set a team up to kind of go out and attack
3: teams. Uh, I think uh, it's total football compared to Levine.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays by the percentages, like you said. He knows that Liam Boyce is a centre forward, so he needs to get delivery into the box. <laughs> so he's bought,
3: exactly.
1: He's bought wide guys to kind of to, to make make him better and, and get guys around Smith and things like that. So Robbie is very intelligent in that way. Uh, that it will just will simplify it. he will not overcoach them, but I think maybe there was a bit of that going on in the past.
3: Anthony McDonald's apparently got a, an offer on the table from a club in Crete, Paphos. Uh, what would you be? What would your advice be for him? Was it was it,
1: was it Cyprus or was it
3: D- Cyprus? Sorry, yeah, not Crete. Your geography is worse than mine, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: to be honest, I, I would start to worry about Anthony McDonald because when he first kind of came onto the scene thought this guy was pretty special. He's got you know a little fade to the shoulder, great left foot. But it's just kind of, you know, he's disappeared a little bit and he's not been involved really with the first team. So I would worry that Robbie maybe doesn't fancy him too much. So I'd probably take it, the opportunity. I'd imagine it would be a half-decent level, good good kind of, obviously, climate to learn your football in. But uh, I, I would like to see him in the Hearts first team. I, I do rate him, but I, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen.
4: So, yeah. uh, you made your debut for Hearts at um, one of the quieter stadiums in Scotland, Ibrox. <laughs> uh, you came on came on as a sub. How, how mm-hmm. does that feel? Do you, would you rather start a game or would you rather come on as a sub, debut-wise?
1: Uh, Debut-wise, I probably think it was better, better to come off the bench with no pressure, really. Uh, I think at the time, Rangers were maybe 1-0 up, 2-0 up or whatever. So, it was a kind of go out just can do what you do what you can do and enjoy yourself. Uh, it was, I think that what got me into the team that, that day, I really well at training the day before. Um, uh, played uh, down at Pinky and, sc- and I scored an absolute worldly, it was an overhead kick. I don't know where it came from. It was some divine inspiration, but I, I, I got so high off the, <laughs> the ground that when I landed, I couldn't talk, it was windy. <laughs> I, I, think Rusi, I, I turned around and Joe Russo was diving full stretch to the top corner and it went in. And Billy Brown said it was one of the best goals he's ever seen in his life. He just kept talking about it. Did you see Chris on those goals <laughs> all day? Uh, it was like, I, I don't know if that got me into the squad because I didn't even, we went back to Tyne Castle and it was, I got named in the squad. Obviously, maybe they just thought, well, he's he's got a bit of ability. How did you
4: feel you know, when obviously they named not nervous? The squad? What's that? How did you feel what? when they named you in the squad?
1: Oh, I couldn't believe it! I'd been in a few squads kind of prior, but uh, you know, not Ibrox or anything like that. So even just to to actually get in the bus and go travel to a, an iconic stadium like that, you know, you were it was amazing. So yeah, I was just thinking, well, I'll be part of this you know, go on a coach and things like that and get the experience and just watch a game for the director's box like with the other guys that were... But, so when I got named on the bench, it was, you know, it was quite a kind of fright, but I was, I was very excited. Uh,
4: you, said you, was... you said you you said noticed the the level when you first started training with Harts. Did you notice yeah. the level when you played against Rangers? Because, obviously, uh, yeah. at, at the time, they were, I think they just failed to get 10 in a row.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, the, the standard was, was was frightening. They had, uh, they had Van Bronckhurst and, and Kinshelskis. And I was like, I was one of the quickest players in the world," and I was directly up against him. So I think by pure just shiting myself, basically, know an adrenaline pumping through my body, that I kind managed to keep up with him a few times, and and I actually played really well. I got a lot, of, I got a lot of touches. I kind of I turned a few players, got a few crosses into the box. Um, Jim Jeffrey's kind of singled me out after that game. He said I've done really well. So. I did do well, but it was probably, you know. I actually, wasn't that nervous. I was quite excited when when I got told what was going on. Uh, it was it was a magic experience. Fifty thousand and making your debut at, at Ibrox. was was a and my granddad kind of he passed away there, in nineteen eighty six in the away end, or you know outside the ground, and uh, so that was quite an emotional moment for me to to play there and and make my debut for Hearts. And I would have been to be quite frank, I would have been happy if it just ended there because <laughs> it, a, 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 it was a lifelong ambition just to even just pull on that jersey just once but I managed to do it a few more
4: times So what I noticed about your career and it seems to be a better way of doing it is you were kind of gradually bought into the team and it maybe took like two or three years before you became like a permanent feature whereas now you kind of see like Harry Cochran comes in at 16 and he makes thirty appearances in a season and you look at it now he's completely burnt out um, and yeah. How how do you feel that, that that changes the youth process now? Like, do you feel like it's it was better for you, or do you feel like you were maybe owed more chances? Or
1: it's it's very difficult now because there's like you said, there's so many there's so many of them in the academy now to break through to kind of stand out in that kind of crowd is very difficult. Whereas we Jeffrey's knew all about us individually all the time, you know, uh, but mate, he knew everybody's name, so we would always feel like we were. Close to the first team, not not in the sense of maybe part of the a, squad, a part of the squad almost, and and maybe I'd say there's maybe forty forty players, thirty five, forty squad members at my time. Now I remember under Romanov there was about eighty five. <laughs> <So laughs> it might have calmed down a little bit now, but um, yeah, I think it was it was, you know, you always felt like you were in there or thereabouts, so, and if you'd done well, you would you would get a chance, you get rewarded. Uh, so every time you come to watch a reserve game or a youth team game, you would kind of would give you a boost. Uh, and you, would, yeah. So Do you want to well,
4: do you want to walk us through your, your first goal for Hearts?
1: Uh, Wasn't it the prettiest, that's for well, sure. What a screamer, Chris? <laughs> 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 it was uh, surreal. Uh, I kind of mm. got Severin, what did you say, someone, was it Steve Fulton pinged a free kick in, I think. Uh, I think Tomacek or Severin headed it down to me. And I kind of got in front of my man and I pictured blasting it in the top corner like robo esque And then I, I tripped over my laces. <laughs> By the way, this is all live on Sky. Uh, tripped over my laces, collided with Alan Main and ricocheted off my arm and somehow managed, <laughs> I couldn't believe I scored. I couldn't believe I actually was... went in. The referee gave the goal. I was like, like, just run back to the half-way line. It's gonna Act
4: like nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs>
1: so, it was, so obviously it's not the way I pictured it, but then... It was still a goal. It Still, obviously, got us back into the game. So it
4: started the comeback.
1: Started the comeback, and then obviously I set up the equaliser with a pretty good
4: cross. So you must have been absolutely buzzing. Yeah,
1: that was not. Nah, that was a that was a magic day. I remember travelling back on the bus, I'm just thinking I just scored for Hearts. I was, I S-
4: smoking cigars up the back, telling me <laughs> you about your wonder
1: goal. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I remember Robbo was at Livingston at the time, uh, and I think he had, he said that. That was a bit scrappy. He used to come into the Tencastle in that game. So that was a bit scrappy and all that. But when I scored my European goal, he was like, that was much more like it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do, you
4: remember, do you remember what the scum wrote about you?
1: The what did they write about me?
4: They they had the headline, Chris of Life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've, got that, I've got that on my... I've got that, a little scrapbook that my brother made me, so I've got that I've Got that headline. I mean, we were almost
4: taking bets on if you would have it or not. It was um. surreal
1: because I remember uh, it was so funny because I was obviously just away with the goalies after I scored the goal and I was like on cloud nine and I went I used to live in Muirhouse House and I went to the RS McCall and it was on the front the Daily Record was sitting there and it was, I was on the front page not the back page the actual front page big like, picture of me saying something to that like Crystal Life or something Yeah. and and I remember getting off the bus at the West End and there was like Hearts fans banging on the bus and obviously they recognised me and they were like well done last night and all that so it was for that moment, I was living the dream, you know. Uh, oh, but what right. happened was I, I, I turned up to uh, Tyne Castle thinking that training was there that day and it was in Musselburgh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> all, all that good work ultimately done, undone straight away. Well,
1: I was about two hours late for training because obviously they're thinking, oh, Billy, Billy, time! We scored against St. John's and he just turned up on the notes. You know? I, I think I got fined like half a week's wages or something. That was right. Like, <laughs>
4: <laughs> so uh, I, you touched on it. Your goal against vest manager, yeah. Uh, I think I absolutely nailed that pronunciation. So ve- how, how did you feel?
1: Oh, obviously, that I've mean, playing it. Think that was I was really nervous with that one because we were doing a bit of shape around four o'clock in the afternoon, and he named the team. And I was starting, and obviously I got a bit nervous because I had time to think about it. Whatever. Whereas at Ibrox, I just got kind of thrown into the you know, frying pan. Uh, that was more like, I've got time to think about this, right? I'm making my debut in Europe against Hearts. So um, I would say that that was, and we were doing set pieces and I was on the corners and I was so nervous that I was like hitting the side net. <laughs> like, try again, try again. Try again. I was like, mishitting every corner. My legs felt like lead weights. So I was like, I-, I don't know if I'm going to do this tonight. Like at one, he might take me out the team for these <laughs> corners for the start. And he went, just relax, it'll come naturally and all that. Just get your first touch under control. And I actually had a really, you know, a really, really good game that night. I, I was just so confident from minute one. I tired in the second half because I think the adrenaline. But the first half, I was all over the place. I think I had the post set up a goal scored. Uh, but when obviously when the ball had to make, it was just always oh, the adrenaline was unbelievable. Was you plan your celebration. I, I dreamt about that. Something. I didn't, never planned it at all, but obviously I, I, I kissed the badge and I, I slid on my knees. Classic. Uh, but I, it's a moment, it's a, a moment that probably, you know, can't take away, take away from me. And, and You're I right. About,
2: yeah.
5: I'd be doing oh, everything.
1: I never <laughs> stop telling people. I always dreamed about, I think my, my biggest dream was to score at Easter Road in front of the Hearts fans, you know, that was, uh, or, or in a derby. And I was on a bench on a derby once uh, and I was gutted I never got on because I actually got stripped to go on in about the, uh, the 60th minute uh, I can't remember who was injured maybe uh, and he pointed to me to come on so I was stripped ready to go on in the derby because I had my top off and he went hold it yeah. he's he's fine so that was uh, oh, well, I well, just gave him another kick just to make sure <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> so that, was
4: that,
1: that was a big <laughs> disappointment because I, I think Hims were the only team I never played against oh wow
4: so just thinking about how the loan the loan system works, what, does, does Jeffries come and speak to you, or is it all kind of agreed beforehand? Do you have any say at all?
1: No, I don't get a say. Certainly not Jim Jeffries, I don't say. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> uh, So that was with uh, Klein Bank. That was my first loan deal. I was, uh, I think I was 18. And I was, like, so I was close to the first team and things. I was doing really well, so I wasn't 100% keen on it. They were in a championship at the time. So at the time, you think, are they sending me along because they don't you know, they don't see a plan for me or they just try to get rid of me? So for the first few weeks, I was a bit down on myself, but then I see yeah. it as a really good opportunity. Uh, so with Clyde Bank, they would play some big games. They would have Falkirk away, Dunfermline. It was a really good league at the time, St Mirren at Love Street and things. So I was up front on my own for Clyde Bank, who, uh, you know, uh, they weren't the best team. I think they had... I think they might have had the record low points total <laughs> that season, <apparently. laughs> so it was nice to contribute to a bit of history. So, do
4: you just turn up and they're just like, Oh, morning, Chris. AC uh, on Monday?
1: Well, yeah, no, they said that uh, I had to get, get picked up from uh, a couple of the boys from Edinburgh who travelled through, so I went up to a Fair Mile Head and I got a uh, Peter Cormack was the guy's name, and uh, Greg Miller, Alex Miller's son, who played for Hibs. He was an absolute welter of a guy. Sorry. <laughs> 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 the first thing scared to me was he was you 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 play for Hearts, eh? And uh, and I was a young eighteen year old boy, quite excited and all. He's like, yeah, don't don't talk to me for the, this three month loan deal. Don't talk to me. at yeah, I, I hate Hearts. And, he, and I thought, and I went, ha, 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 and he never laughed. <laughs> wow. he was being deadly serious. I was I'm like, not... what the hell am I going to hear? But uh, Peter Cormack, the other guy, his dad was actually a, a Hibs legend and played for Liverpool. Peter Cormack scored against Real Madrid at Easter Road and all that. So he was, he was an absolutely lovely guy. And he, you know, so I kind of tried, just spoke to him on the way in, <laughs> the way in from Edinburgh. But yeah, but Ian McCall. Obviously, the Partick Thistle manager, he was the, he was the coach, and he, re, he really liked me. Uh, and, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was three months, and I got a lot more physical, got a lot stronger. Yeah, do you feel like it benefited so you? Yes. Yeah, mass, massively, because when I came back, I remember my first few training sessions uh, with the first team, and it was like night and day. I was I was taking players on. I felt stronger, more confident, just because you're playing a lot more games at that quicker tempo. So these guys going to broth and all that is, is invaluable. Absolutely invaluable, uh, and, and it, it, t- it toughens you up because you don't get time in the ball down that league.
4: You also, you also went over to Belfast.
1: Uh, I think your, your uh, research is wrong there because <laughs> I've I seen that as well. It said Cliftonville, Aye. and I and I was uh, I did do a lot of drinking back then, but I can't remember <laughs> a lot spelling. Wow. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're right. It is there on the internet. Maybe I did. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll email
4: London Hearts and tell
0: them. I know. Oh, good um, update. Tell me in. Sack the researcher, whoever but... that was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I never played So, now,
4: so do you enjoy your time in Belfast?
1: Uh... <laughs> 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 Back in the, like, that, that good, I can't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Belfast won't cause... do that to me if you've ever been. <laughs> So, Chris, after your loan spells and after your uh, what two seasons, um, getting your appearances under your belt, so it's the end of the, the year year two thousand two thousand and one season, um, and Jim Jeffries offers you what must be a, a dream come true. Puts offers you a three year contract, I believe. Yeah. Um, just well, to brought... just to capture that moment, how how was that? Yeah, that well,
1: that was obviously I knew I was doing well, and I knew he liked me. So yeah, I, I just uh, since. The time I signed for Hearts at 12 year old, it was just an upward trajectory for the minute minute one. Never ever, you know, it wasn't an arrogance, but just like a confidence that you would, if you worked hard, you would get your chance and things like that. And I just kind of knew I was going to play for Hearts, so that's what I felt. So it was almost like, I was a four-year contract, I think, actually. I had an agent, oh, right. I remember George Wright that used to play for Hearts in the 90s. He was my agent and Craig Gordon's agent, I believe, as well. I Think Craig Gordon maybe made him a bit more money than what I did, but oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. But uh, George said, "Look, they're, they're 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 fixing up kind of a long term contract for you. They're, they're delighted with you and stuff like that." So obviously, yeah. I was like thinking that'd take me to twenty five. Regardless, if it was if I was getting a first team financially, I would have been probably set for life as well because yeah. it was a good offer they were making me as well. Because at the time, for a young boy, it was quite a lot of money. Not. Not millions or thousands or anything, but it was it was good money for me, going from like a, a first year pro to that to get a four year contract It was really really good money. So it wasn't a bit of money obviously, but uh, yeah, I felt pretty much shit. I was, I was very confident, and then obviously it was a boat out like the blue. He kind of went. I heard on Sky News that I'd went to Bradford, so obviously that put everything up in the air. I was like, do you want to sign my contract before you head <laughs> 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 taking
0: so it I've to been the change for
1: any
0: players? <laughs> <laughs> My uh, way I am saying, Chris, it, it was two days later that he left after offer you, offering you the contract. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I don't know how, how far down the line that was. It was the contract, if it was ready for me to sign, or
2: mm-hmm. he had just
1: said to him like we're planning to do it. We'll, we'll get Chris around the table or whatever soon. Uh, but obviously, at that stage, you're just thinking it's 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 all going really well in your career. Uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a shock, when know, uh, and obviously. Jeffrey's left to go to Bradford because I did put in there. I was like, who's going to come in? And I remember speaking to John Robertson and he said he was in the running for the job and I said I'd be absolutely fine because he was a big fan of me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when, so if Robertson had stayed, then I would have almost certainly got a contract. Uh, so I was praying for him to get the job and then obviously it was a, I heard it was Craig Levine and then that was kind of like the alarm bells for me because I, I knew that I wasn't going to get kept on with him. Yeah. What? Why not? Well, he had asked me to go alone a couple of times to Cowden Beef. So he kind of clearly rated me as a player. Uh, and I said no, which probably went down in his estimation. Maybe maybe thought I was well, you know, too good to go to Cowden Beef. Scott Servant's done it. Robbie done it. Uh, it wasn't that. It was just that I, I used to hate playing at Central Park. I played there a few times for the youth team and the first team, and I, I never had a good game there, ever. Uh and it was just I, I did not want to go to Cowden Beef. I thought it was an absolute hellhole. <laughs> uh it
5: is. sorry, it's no, lovely, it's lovely. If anybody through
1: Cowden Beef is listening, <laughs> I don't mean the place Cowden Beef, I mean the, the stadium and the and the pitch.
3: Yeah. Oh no, Cacody's a shite hole as well.
0: <laughs> so so, we I think have maybe, no
1: fans. so I So before that I'd, I'd speak to Craig Levine quite a lot, quite, quite he was quite a bubbly character. I Used to come into time, I saw quite a lot. Yeah. But th- after that moment when I said no to go to Cowden Beef, it kind of the relationship deteriorated. It basically, wouldn't speak to me. I'd, I'd say hello, and I think he must have thought it was well oh, we you a Billy Big Time. We're you too good to go to Cowden Beef on loan kind of thing. And it wasn't that at all because I went and went to Clyde Bank, mm-hmm. which was another but <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> I hope there's no Clyde Bank listeners. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'd
1: <laughs> <probably>. be surprised. <laughs> so, yeah, so when I found out he got the job, and that was, for me, that was alarm bells. I remember saying to my Mama, mm-hmm. I think that's me gone. And she was like, don't be after. you've played so many games in the first team, you're doing really well. Uh, but yeah, it turned out that's what it was. I remember the first day of training, Chris Robinson brought him in to, you know, to meet the squad, It was a big circle. So I was kind of in between Scott Severin and Kenny Milne. So he shook Scott Severin's hand, came to me, I put my hand out and he missed me out completely. Didn't oh, shake wow. my hand.
3: Oh, <laughs> I hate him even
4: more now. I know, oh, no, man, this is just making me in dislike him
1: even more. In front of everybody. <laughs> so He'd done, kind of, he done it in a sly way. Like it made it you know, to the next one, like he didn't mean to miss it, but 100% did. And I remember Scott Severin just laugh, laughing. Like so hard we were like, You're fucked. <laughs> 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 so oh. so, you know, I would I'd be the first one to admit, you know, I you know, I wasn't a finished article at all. You know, I wasn't I wasn't thinking I was too good I was good enough for the first team, yeah. I wasn't saying that. But and you
0: were what, you were you were twenty years old at this point.
1: 19, yes. 19, 20, 19. Yeah, so all through the age groups I'd done really, really well, scored goals and then that year I played 13, 14 times for the first team. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, up that, up that little story, though, just kind of explains a lot of what every Hearts fan thought Craig Levine was like to the youth players. Yeah. yeah. Recently, yeah. as well, even in the second stint that he had there.
1: If he likes you, mm-hmm. you, 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 I'd imagine he would treat you really well. Listen, I was a uh, people think I'm dead bitter against Craig Levine, I was for a, a little bit a year or so. I was, you know, I was I was angry at him, and obviously when he released me, I was swearing at them and things like that. And, and <laughs> I it, it was it was a, it was a, for me to get told I wasn't getting getting kept on it was like a, a hammer blow I wouldn't be ashamed to admit that I think it would be for anybody I had my journey to that point. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there was tears obviously it was it was just just a lot of confusion and not knowing what, what the future held really. That was that was the main thing. But not getting to play for hearts whatever to kind of get pull that jersey on again that was the, the toughest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I was Craig Lovin's not his biggest fan, but I was right behind him when he was manager of Hearts on both occasions. Mm. Uh, I think the day after, I think the day after I got released, that was probably the only time I ever wanted Hearts to lose in my life, and that sounds <laughs> kind <of> blasphemous, right? <laughs> I was having a bath listening on the radio, and I was like, "Come on, like lose." <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, as long as I win the race, I just didn't want him to do well for the first few bits. and then I, I think it went seven-one. <laughs> i
4: lose, and there's lose like three or four games and they
1: just get a phone call. And i am come crawling back. <laughs> like, yeah. so it, was like, it was 7-1 against Dunfermline and they were absolutely terrific and my brothers were like, Chris who? <laughs> 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 so,
2: yeah.
1: Nah, but I, after that moment, I was, you know, and by the way, I, I, I love Craig Levine. He was one of my favourite players and, and it was just one of those things that football it, it does throw up a few, a few things like that. And he's, you know, and if that was his prerogative, enough, that was, you know, I, I, I do believe if he rated me that highly, he would have kept me, I'd imagine, you know, but uh, yeah, it was tough to take, and I, it wasn't just the fact that he didn't like me as a player, I thought, you know, him ignoring me in the corridor and things like that was a little bit uncalled for.
3: And yeah, mm-hmm. sounds a bit pathetic if you're asking me.
1: two goals up at Aberdeen as well in the reserves, and I, and I came in kind of buzzing, and he had a go at me for not working hard enough, and I was like, hey, right,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> just get
1: this over and done with kind of thing, you know. But it was, but that's football. It's it's a harsh environment, and uh, I, actually, that's just football in general, you know. And, and he had to make tough decisions. He was a manager; it hurts, and uh, you know, he had his reasons, obviously. Yeah, it's,
0: it's interesting you say that, Chris. Because there's a a story. I'm not sure if you heard it yourself. That Anthony McDonald, just after he broke into the first team, um, what well, season before last, that Levine took him out the first team because he said he was he was walking around like he was thinking he was Ronaldo. <laughs> so there's a, yeah. There's another personal blow for you all these years later, what, well, twenty years later, just about now. Yeah.
2: Um, no. Listen, I, I was.
1: Uh, I, 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 there's a million stories I could probably share, but I wouldn't do it on other people's mm-hmm. behalf and like I said, he, he treated a few people kind of like that. But, uh, especially, I think when he came in for the second time, there was a lot of kind of you know, the way he treated Jamie McDonald in a meeting and things like that. But you know, I don't want to sound like the better guy, but you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did want him to do well. I, I, I was, when he was Hearts manager, of course, I wanted him to win, and I was cheering on him. And obviously, when he had the heart attack, that was devastating. And I was, you know, I was really pulling for him and all that. So, yeah, that's just football, isn't it?
0: Aye, it is. Um, let, let's talk about Levine, Levine's managerial spells in a wee bit more detail. Um, that seven-one game was the start of, of quite a successful um, first mm. spell in charge. Really, um, leaving four <laughs> years later for Leicester. Um, which is a huge club, uh, obviously even even bigger after he left um, in the in the more recent spell chris uh, i wouldn 't say you 've been an open an open critic let 's just say you 've been vocal <laughs> on social media <laughs> in recent years um in, over, about Levine and um, the time it took Levine or the board to make a decision for him to leave um, I mean overall, how much detriment do you think kind of brought to the club by not leaving where in most clubs cases they would have.
1: Massive. But I will say this. It was quite unfortunate. I know injuries is part of football, but but the heart's injury list was beyond belief. Mm-hmm. So I think his managerial style has obviously been about kind of having a solid base and then and guys working hard in that base and and, 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 and nicking and, and putting, you know, you know, people people can score goals up there and you know, net goals and, and and listen. I thought the first eight or nine games of that season in twenty eighteen was was very exciting. Mm, yeah, you know,
0: there
1: was, was obviously there was a lot of good good performances. Strong,
0: Top of the league strong, at the end of October. <laughs> strong
1: performances and I, and I I genuinely thought you know he's, he's a good manager here. There was a lot of injuries, but then just then after that there was a lot of host of kind of bizarre decisions. The team would change every week. You would put guys in coming out in nowhere in the derby. Yeah. Uh, the fans were scratching. Their... The amount of times I used to go to a Hearts game, thinking this this should be the team today, and it was like completely off off base. You know, it was scratching your head going into Easter Road at times, and it was so negative. And, it, and it, I think that's just his character. Eventually, the negativity just kind of started to creep into our performances, and um, and and it, and it was a, like you said, it was a detriment and the injuries for sure were played a part but there was, we still had enough quality there to go and attack teams and whenever yeah. it was almost like an excuse for him it was like a crux that he used oh. to kind of to say oh I've got injuries and, and he never really tried to adapt to it never tried to set a t- team up t- t- to attack and
4: yeah,
1: I, I think he stayed about I think it was like a almost like a cloud lifting for most Hearts fans and that's even the ones that really like Craig Levine you know um,
2: yeah
1: yeah and see yeah. so I wish you know I, I wish
0: him the best but I'd, I wouldn't imagine he'd be back in football any time soon maybe a Cowdenbeath <laughs> fuck off. Uh, a Cowdenbeath yeah <laughs> he goes Probably, and watches yeah. he's five quite a lot I'm sure I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he pops up in the in the lower leagues and if you've ever been so after we were top of the league at the end of October obviously unbeaten and then the head started to drop the confidence goes down and we just never got out of that slump what, for 18 months arguably we never got out of yeah. that slump have you ever been part, in part of a group where the heads have dropped and you just can't seem to, to get out of it? Clyde
1: Bank <laughs> with the 10 <laughs> points in a season. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was pretty grim. Right enough. <laughs> you were lucky, I was going to say, how it was does that turn around?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it, was, it was quite good because obviously the boy for the Guinness Book of Records came at the end of the season. He <laughs> 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 was all a medal and all that for being the worst team i ever <laughs> so that was quite a bonus You might find <laughs> Clyde Bank in that book <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing
5: <laughs> no, right. Yeah but
1: Clyde, Clyde Bank was tough Because we, we, we weren't that bad actually We had some decent wow. players and We couldn't We couldn't Yeah like I said You go into games Just fearing the worst you know, Even if you played well You didn't feel like You were going to win It's uh, yeah. Confidence uh, Confidence Is absolutely everything In a football player Everything uh, I, I can see the boy Oliver Buck and all the people kind of raise their eyebrows at him and kind of and obviously remember his, his kind of bad things over the last few years. But he's starting to get more game time now. Alivez, at the end of the season, he played a lot of games, played really well against Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, played well in his first two games for Sheffield United. So he's getting, so for a player that was so low on confidence, he's now starting to, and he's not hitting the heights by any means, but he's starting to get you know his touch back, he's getting his confidence back. So hopefully he could be a big player for Scotland, but but the confidence yeah. goes out a football player, which it did for me as well when I got released and stuff like that. I never yeah. felt like the same player. Felt like I was wearing yeah. leather boots on that football field, and and it can even like Derek Riordan for example, going to Celtic and he never got a game. You know, two or three months into it, he's not played a game, and he gets a chance, he start. He knows he has to do something special, mm-hmm. um, and then it gradually slips away from you, and that, and that kind of happened to Derek as well. His career kind of went off on a tangent, because one manager didn't believe in him, uh, Yeah, and, and it is, sure. I think confidence is the, the biggest key, and Hearts obviously were so low on confidence, and even the fans stopped enjoying coming to the games, didn't they, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. fans were arguing with each other, and it was just a, it was a toxic place, but I I firmly believe that Craig Levine made, that, made it that place, uh, with a lot of his decisions, yeah. and a lot of his negativity, t- and his tactics.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> totally, Um just, just your final, final thoughts on Levine before we stop talking about him. Don't worry. <laughs> um, when he, when he finally, finally did kind of give up his managerial role, or and Budge decided to, um, what did you make if I'm moving upstairs back into the director of football role instead? I
1: thought, I thought that was very bizarre. In, in, in any other walk of life, when you performed so poorly at your job, uh, and and I just think, why not like? Himself, like, he's quite keen on evaluating other people's performances, Why didn't he not evaluate his own and say, I've just not been good enough? Like, I'll walk away. <laughs> yeah, but he seemed, to, he seemed to take every last ounce of money that he could get from Harsh, and I just didn't get yeah. it, you know. Uh, so I, I felt like he, let, he shouldn't have went upstairs, but I don't blame Ann Budge, and you know, I think she just kind of trusted someone that maybe took advantage of that relationship. That's what you know, Ann Budge's. She's done a lot of good things for Hearts, so and I think trusting him was probably one of the worst things.
4: Yeah, I think she put yeah. all her football and trust into Craig Levine and just thought, well, I just have to trust him with this, and eventually she realised, but it was too late. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think obviously, yeah. the last few performances under Levine were so so bad, and he was starting to almost get arrogant with the press again. To see. So it was, just, it was just the right timing. Uh and, you know, I'm, I'm quite glad that, that we've got Robbie in charge now because Rob, Robbie's a different animal to Craig Levine. I think he, he'll set a team out to, to to win, to 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 score goals. And if you look at his goal-scoring record when he's in charge, it's great. Mm. Still got a lot, you know, sometimes a bit negative tactically, but but and I think obviously a lot of fans will never forgive him for being 2-0 up against Hibbs and cruising and then kind of changing a, a few things. And, that, and then obviously <laughs> Hibbs went on to win the cup. So...
0: I don't, uh, don't remember any of that. <laughs> I don't remember that. We don't talk about that around these pubs. <laughs> so yeah,
1: these. Uh, that was a, a crush, you know, a, I think crushing blow for yeah. his relationship. with A lot of, of Hearts fans, and that's just mm-hmm. the way football is. So. But I think the majority of us are kind of behind him, and and oh. you know, like, he's got a lot to prove still. He can make them MK Dons, and I don't think he was that convinced to move done to United. Uh, no. I think he's in a, he's the right man at the right time I think I mean I was a big fan of Daniel Stendel I think it could have worked out the timing was wrong this is Yeah the I timing. agree
0: mm-hmm. Yeah the timing He needed right. a full preseason, didn't he He needed a full pre-season had, to get his tactics in
1: Yeah he's came in and, and and had a lot you know no time at all to kind of up you know to get a team whose low in confidence up the table he's had to release players he's had to jig things about it was just and it probably did create a bit of a bad atmosphere at first, you know,
0: at uh,
1: mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I was a big fan of Stendhal, and I think he did give that kind of buzz back to Tyncastle. I remember the, the one all-game against Aberdeen, people were going back, going away with a smile mm-hmm. on their face.
5: But yeah, ultimately,
1: yep. but ultimately, you're judged on results. Mm-hmm. And, and on a Saturday, I don't care how you get that result. You're, you enjoy your, your pint on a Saturday night when Hearts win. Uh, so it doesn't matter if, if it's free-flowing football or a one nil Craig O'Vean had lots of 1-0s and I was loving my Saturday night, you know, at uh, the start of his yeah. campaign. And we weren't the best. Remember mm-hmm. St Johnston at Murrayfield, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed. <laughs> I still had a good night, on, you know, and we're top of the league, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, you, Finally, with Stendhal, um, do you feel if the season had panned out before COVID, that Stendhal would have kept us up?
1: Uh, I do. I absolutely do. Uh, after the St Mirren because obviously when we played against Hibs we were absolutely brilliant and you know I don't think anybody yeah. thought we were going to get relegated after that uh, so the St Mirren game was a hammer blow but it was, I, I, I don't know I said that to my brother I felt it was a weird atmosphere at the game that night uh, I don't know if it because Covid was just starting to hit wasn't it and games were yeah, yeah. getting cancelled and there was talk about the season getting stopped or paused and it just felt flat and I thought that game would have been we win this and we're, we're pretty much on the, on the road to safety so it was a little bit of that. It was it was a very strange atmosphere. Very little singing, and I thought it would have been a good atmosphere. But I do think that was a, it was kind of COVID related. I think people were like, "Well, what's happening here?" It's a bit <laughs> up in the air, and, there. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. I think it reflected on the and the players maybe thought that as well. Maybe reflected on the performance because they came out and they were they were so poor that night.
0: Yeah.
1: I, well, yeah, I do think he would have kept us up.
0: <clears throat> good. I sort
5: of be like, I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, the season ending, um with the you know the Dundee vote, the essentially us getting relegated and, and everything that came with that, it wasn't the, you know court cases and all that 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 kept us entertained for a while. Um, what did you make of it all? Thought
1: well, I'm st- I'm still really angry <laughs> about it. I just can't believe we're actually in the championship after all that. You know, eight games to go. And to kind of get your premiership status kind of ripped away from you. And, and nobody yeah. really caring, Nobody in the top league really bothered. And that's, that's unfortunate at the hearts of, you know, there wasn't nowhere near done, enough done to, to, to stop that from happening. You, you can't tell me that they, they couldn't come up a conclusion. They just didn't want to. They couldn't yeah. have lots of options to say, you know, the 14 team league, I don't see what the problem was with that for one year, two years, and then rejig it back. But anything but a team getting relegated and double punished, uh, that was like the decision. You know, I'm never ever be able to accept.
5: And I mean, it speaking even just from a heart's point of view. You know, with Partick as well. Partick's
1: worst. Partick's had a game it's, in
5: hand. It's mad, uh, and I think a lot of it came down to sort of money and Sky deals and rushing to yeah. do this and to do and that. Celtic and, and. Celtic. A lot of Celtic. I fuck the SFA. I don't, I don't, I don't know
1: what, <laughs> what the solution was. I don't know what the solution was, uh, but there, there, there was certainly enough time there to sit down and and, and, sell, and, and save hearts and save part of Thistle. Mm-hmm. I just don't think people wanted to. That. That's at the bottom line. They were looking after their own clubs. Aye.
5: A lot of self which, which
1: people do, and, that, and they've got a right to do, but at the same time, I don't know how you could actually- I Also,
4: I think, building on that, I don't even think it's just that they didn't want to. They wanted to punish Hearts. People came out yeah. and repeatedly said that, oh, it's, it's heart's problem. They should deal with it. Take their medicine. Get on with it. And they encouraged the punishment of the hearts.
1: Well, they, they used the, the pandemic as like an excuse to, for this to happen. It was like, well, there's a pandemic. We've got to, you know, it's not ideal and all that, but that's the exact. So it's a pandemic. So you don't let, you know, re- relegate a club that could have tr- disastrous consequences for, for people who work at the club, the players, the, the, the business, you know, everything to release... You know, it was to, to relegate us was uh, mind boggling, really. Um, and I think obviously a lot of the Hibs Celtic fans took a lot of joy out of it. But I just I, I, they always say if the shoe was on another foot, I genuinely don't think I would have been one hundred percent comfortable with Hibs going down in that manner. That's that's just me. Uh, yeah. I just I just felt wrong, Um completely. And we 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 probably lost millions out of this. Mm-hmm. You stick together during the pandemic. That's what everybody's been saying. You stick together. People People are going shopping for their neighbours, all that. And, and then Scottish football was like the polar opposite. They were like doing everything to be against the teams who were struggling. To me, you know, it was a shocking decision.
5: And funnily enough... Very recently in the past couple of weeks That's all you've been hearing for other clubs About how we need to stick together to save yeah. the smaller clubs and, yeah.
4: Everyone dig into your pocket And
2: help
1: <laughs> us out <it. laughs> I don't know what's happened to the money that we gave them uh, well, Exactly not me, James Anderson uh, <laughs> yeah. £50,000 a lot of money to A team like Peterhead and Elgin and that. So I don't know what they're talking about About not finishing seasons and things like that So Listen we'll be back, this will be a blip in the memory We'll be back before we know it in yeah.
0: the us where we belong.
3: Little oh, uh, After you left Hart, you joined Hamilton. What was it like pulling on a, another team's jersey?
1: Not good. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, it was like pining for a an ex girlfriend or something, you know, just missing <laughs> the half, missing that. The first thing I would say is like, even at half time, I remember, <laughs> I go getting beat two 0 or something. I was like what's a heart score to <laughs> the one that i And someone was like, never you mind the fucking heart score, we're 2 doing. Get your finger out your ass. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Hamilton was funny. It was it was quite a funny wee club. It was, a lot of, like, it was quite westy. A lot of the people were from Glasgow. Didn't really take to the boys for Edinburgh. I just never felt comfortable there for minute one, really. Uh, yeah, I had a little spell in Finland just before that, uh, and I decided to come back to Hamilton because they offered me a two-year contract. Uh, Anthony Emi got me a move. See, I think he's finished. And- yeah. No, <laughs> right, oh, no, Jesus. I, I There we go. A- <laughs> end of <up> podcast. <laughs> Leave those mad jokes,
0: golly, Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he got me a move to Finland just after I got released, and it was a uh, it was a team called Atlantis at the time, and they changed their name a couple of times don't know if they exist now, but they were in the Premier League, they were kind of rivals to HGK Helsinki. That was a bit of a disastrous move. Uh, there was rumours back at Hearts that I was uh, out drinking every single night <laughs> and <laughs> enjoying, the, enjoying the delights of Helsinki nightlife, but uh, it was I can categorically deny that that was the case. I had two Brazilian teammates who I'd travel to, they lived about an hour outside Helsinki, so I'd go and travel, with play the computer and things like that, because their English was good. The two Hungarian guys that I lived the way where, where I couldn't speak a lucky English it was it was, it, was, it was it was the worst flat in the world as well so I was like I went to their flat all the time So, but the manager thought I was out drinking because the Hungarians grassed me up <laughs> 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 I, came, I, I used to get home quite late because the train would get me home late and they were like talking in Hungarian dead fast and all that to the coach and they are like Chris have you been out drinking every night? the Hungarians have told them <laughs> so, I, so that kind of was like so like I said, give me one more chance. I'm not, I promise you, I've not been drinking. I'm enjoying it here and stuff like that. So there was a live game on TV against HJK Helsinki. It was like the 60th minute and I was stripped to come on. And uh, they never had my name listed as a <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> no So this was like turning into the worst year and a half like of all time. you know. And I, I was just getting to this, up to speed and I was like, that. I could feel like I was going to make an impact in the game. And then they were like, sorry, the, the fourth official's looking at the paper, like, no, I've not got this guy's name on there." Live on telly, it was absolute... So that was me like that I'll got a flight back tomorrow morning after that. <laughs> and then I went to Hamilton, kind of on the huff. So it very, very quickly became, like, this is the working out here. <laughs> Football career. Is, like I said, a year, a year and a year and a half can be a long time. You can lose your, your fitness, your confidence. So that that's essentially what happened, the, the, you know, Pretty much.
4: So after Hamilton, Chris, you then decided to move to the United States. Yes. What
2: so, was that decision?
4: So
1: with, with Hamilton, they just built their brand new stadium.
3: Uh, uh, he stands.
1: Yeah, the the, the uh, it was a ballast stadium back then. I think when the first the first, uh, so I think they ploughed a lot of money into that, uh, and they had a lot of financial troubles. And obviously, signing a player on my wage that was catastrophic for them <laughs> <laughs> uh, 150 quid a week or something it was now yeah they 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 got a lot of financial trouble and um, and then they got rele- I think they got relegated to league 1 at the time and um God, I'm a kiss of death. I've got Hamilton relegated, Clydebank relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Ali and don't exist anymore. Neither <laughs> the Clifton will. <laughs> uh, uh, and Berwick Rangers are in the 12th tw- tw- Division or something now. It's had a short spell there as well. So, yeah. <laughs> don't sing Chris O'Neill, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, at Hamilton, I went to... I got an offer because my friend Darren Goldie, who was at heart, she played a few first team games. He got, uh, I don't know who from, but got an opportunity to go over to America, Georgia, a uh, university. And then at that time, there wasn't a lot of money in Scottish football, so I was thinking, I've got a degree uh, and then I'll have something to fall back on. I can play for four years and maybe try and get to the MLS or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, essentially that's what I did. Uh, I, I got I played so well for the college, though, that there was, I was getting a lot of, kind of professional offers and things like that. So I left college after about a year and a bit. Uh, for, um, and I went to train with Atlanta. And never, they wanted to sign me, but then there was a kind of 5-4 in our rule. Uh, then I went to play for a team in Iowa called Des Moines, Des Moines Menace. Uh, they were, the soccer was huge in Iowa. and There was big crowds and things like that. So I had a really good time there. Uh, and then I, I, I came home for a bit, and a bit of this and that, and then I went back across and played for Toronto and Canada. Uh, so that was that was good. So I kind of kind of flitted in and out of kind of professional teams. I'd done a lot of coaching over there up until about the age of twenty six, twenty seven. But yeah, it just it was probably never ever going to take off again. I, I think I'd, I was doing so well at one point. The, St, the coach of my team was the manager of St. Johnson's son. So I had a trial lined up for St. Johnston when I was about 25 and I was in a really good, really good position. I was playing really well and I thought, yeah, this could be my last kind of chance to, to do something. Then I got a really bad ankle injury and that. So after, soon after that, I kind of felt, you know, I was playing for you know Spartans and things and getting a, a kind of a normal job and things like that. So I kind of flitted away really about 27, 28. But I had a great time. I travelled the world. Uh, trials all over the place. Actually, my agent I had an an English agent. He sent me over to Brunei, and I met had like the Sultan of Brunei. I went to his palace, and he had a football team.
4: Is so, you know, like the <laughs> the person you quote when you're like talking about,
1: well, I've not got
4: money like the Sultan of Brunei." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was some experience, and they, they they had all this like big giant trial, and it was there was Brazilian internationals and everything. Uh, so I never to be <laughs> a chance. But I went over and the wages would have been astronomical. Uh, and I, I remember I'm having a, a picture of the Queen, like a portrait of the Queen that was like solid gold. like punch, women. It was worth about three bill, three million pounds of this painting. Um,
5: yeah, so I was... You still yeah, got it? <laughs> 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 uh, so
1: that was, that was some experience, that, going to Brunei. Um, and meeting the silt and night, having tea and sandwiches with the, the richest man in the world. Uh, and I went to Malta as well. And they put me up, I was I was on a two week trial. And they put me up at this like four star hotel, but it was a holiday resort, it wasn't it like a you know, accommodation? It was like Scottish families on the piss and all that. So I would go do the stairs. I'd go down to the stairs and end up getting blazing. <laughs>
2: like,
1: a two week a two week trial and I was like absolutely melted every day of it. But... <laughs> and I played the next day against Hibernians, would you believe it? Oh, I. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I scored. Um, and, but it was the hottest day on earth and I'd been on the last till about four in the morning. and <laughs> in Malta.
4: Not doing the stereotypes any good, Chris. I'm quite disappointed.
1: <laughs> no, I, I never drank it. it like I drank in Malta quite a lot. <laughs> but that's the club's fault for putting me near a bar. <laughs> uh, and that uh, was and it was the hot. It was almost about hundred degrees, and I was like, I couldn't even run. It was like, it was funny. but uh, Yeah, so that never worked out either. But yeah, good times.
0: <laughs> so after that, Chris, um, after your your European and world tour, you came back to Scotland. Um, like you said. And you you got involved in kind of junior football, playing for Spartans, uh, Craig Royston, Hoyt, yeah. Coldstream. Uh, how did you how did you find the juniors kicking on into your thirties?
1: It was I uh, enjoyed it. All the lads were really good lads, and and but my heart wasn't really in it. You know, mm. I like, it's, it's, it's horrible to say, but I kind of when I got released from Hearts, I kind of fell out of love with football a bit. It kind of shook yeah. me so much that I just never, ever recovered from it. It was like a boxer taking a hit to the chin, losing your legs and never getting them back. That's mm. what, I got knocked for six and I never got my legs back. So that's exactly, that's how my career went. And I kind of drifted about, done a few things, but I just never had the passion for it ever again. Oh, I've still got the passion for hearts. I mean, obviously I'll watch them religiously. Uh, and I love Hearts as much as ever, but the actual passion to play football just kind of left me a little bit, because I've just seen the other side of the game, it was quite, it was a dirty side to it, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You can treat people like that, who have been at the club for 10 years, a decade, and I'm not mm-hmm. back a lot of clubs to be there as well, and they showed, you know, not loyalty, because if you're not good enough, you're not good enough, but I, didn't, I don't firmly believe it wasn't, it wasn't good enough, it was good enough, so that's why I feel a little bit, you know, and, and my playing career never kind of ever got off the ground again after that, and, and that's a big regret because I probably should have reacted a whole lot better. Should have, you know, went. I should have said to Craig, "I've okay. I'll prove you wrong. I want to be back here one day. I'll, I'll do double sessions, triple sessions, whatever it takes." But I just never. I, I felt sorry for myself, and that's my biggest regret. Um And, and it was that initial year period where I probably, I probably ruined any chances of kind of doing anything. And I remember Peter Houston said, "I could get you into Falkirk and things like that," and I just. I was in the huff at him, I went, no, my mum okay, I'll just go my separate way, but I should have, I should have went to Folker, because that would have been a good move, uh, so, yeah, I've got, I've got regrets in that, in that way that, you know, I, so for 10 years, i I'd never played a lot of football, and it was a game that I really loved, you know, so, and time I get a chance to play five a size now, I do love it, but, you know, the juniors, I never really got into it, because of like, one man and his dog, and it was, <laughs> it was so rough and tumble, you know, you get a lot of hard, hard challenges, uh, but I really enjoyed my time at Hoyt. Actually, that was probably the most enjoyable I had. I was 30 year old, and uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I and I done really well. I scored some great goals. I scored a brilliant goal in the Hoyt Gala Derby. It was like a pitch yeah. invasion. <laughs> so that was good to get wee moments like that. I still I, mean, I still had the yeah. ability. St- even to this day. I, you know, I still play football. You know, I play for the Legends now and again. I've still got the ability, but the le- uh, the legs are not what they were. Let's put that way. I mind
2: Dane
4: the running for you. I the mean de- <laughs> de- 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 running for
1: you. <laughs> As I'm approaching 40, I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating the keto diet or anything like that, but I'm on that and I've lost 25 pounds. Wow. Well, well. I've lost that in six weeks.
4: Are you checking your blood and all that?
1: Oh, my blood's turned to mush, but at least I'm... <laughs>
4: <laughs> you had to check, like, your, your levels in your blood or something
1: like that when uh, you're on that diet. Ketones and things. At least ketones, Aye. obviously. Uh, no, but I would, I'd actually recommend it because I actually burn fat. But I was just thinking, when I went, came back from pre-season one time, at hearts And I think I was, had about 2% body fat. So now I'm celebrating... Losing twenty five pounds, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like it's some, so that shows you how you know how far how far you can slip away. But uh yeah, but I'm I'm feeling good. Feeling forty year old now, I've got two kids, so I'm, I'm kind of happy with life. now. I'm going into it with fully confidence, and with Robbie at the helm. Hopefully, we'll get a wee trophy soon as well.
0: <laughs> superb. Um, just uh, another thing on a lighter note, Chris. Uh, when you yeah. were at Spartans, you were playing with Eric Crowd in there. Is that right?
1: No, it was. It's not right. Another. Yeah, another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, how, I how was the back, back,
0: back
1: between the you? Two of you? I, think, I think Derek. He did play his Spalding for a bit, didn't he? I think he. I played just after I was there. I think. So. Uh, that's probably one player that I was quite similar to in style, actually. Uh, apart from he, yeah. he was he was quicker. Uh, I, I had quite good left foot, right foot, and I could you know his finishing was. He was always a player that. Well, I didn't admire, let's put it that way, but <laughs> I, he, had, he had ability for sure. And he, he played for Granton Boys Club, just yeah, like me, yeah. same, high, same high school. So I had a very similar kind of starting starting football.
5: So Chris, um, what are you up to now? Are you still involved in football? I know you touched on doing coaching and things like that.
1: Yeah, I got my, I got my it was after my son had been born and I was, in, I was working for AGO and I was just It was a, not a dead-end job, but just a job I wasn't really enjoying. And my son was born uh, and I just kind of said I need to get a wee bit of a kickstart do something that I'm passionate about so I got I got my UFAB licence which was nine months of hard work, that was really good uh, got a coach with SFA, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but yeah SFA yeah, uh, yeah so I, had to, I got the B licence uh, which is a big, was a big achievement and I got to do the B licence, I got to bypass the DNC because I played five years of professional football so it was quite a that cost, you know, cost a cost a couple of grand to take but uh I bet that got me a job with a, a company called first point USA which is uh they send af- football players uh, golfers things like that they had Jamie Vardy on their books russell knox uh really big company that that, that send people over for scholarships like what I was on four year four year scholarship so I'd, the last three years I was doing that I was I was helping kids from Scotland go across. one guy it was Captain Hearts under twenty-one, Leon Jones. He went over. He's in his final year at Kentucky and Division One NCAA. So he, he's had a great career uh, and he'll he'll probably get drafted in the MLS. So, but well, you know I was a, that was a real enjoyable job, but the commute was killing me. I was in Glasgow. Eventually, just started to head wanted to head back to Edinburgh, and now I've got a job I'm working for a company called Law at Work, uh, employment law working from home, really enjoying it, getting a lot of family time and stuff. So, Good. yeah, doing doing well and yeah, really enjoying life at the moment.
5: Is coaching something you'd ever want to get into? Uh,
1: you know something I was really passionate about? It, it was I was with Hutchison Vale and I was under-20 manager a couple of years ago. And what you find at that age is that the kids are going through, they're 18, 19, they're, they've got other interests, you know, so you'd mm-hmm. maybe plan a training session. So I was really, really enthusiastic about it. I'd have all the training sessions planned out. In 10 minutes to seven, you're getting texts. I can't make it tonight, coach. Can't make it tonight. Can't make it. And I was going away from my newborn kid doing that. So that was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, and they never really showed the same passion as me. So I was I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I might revisit it. Obviously, when my son gets into football, it might be something that I can maybe coach a younger team. I want to give yeah. something back in that way. So I do, I do think I've got a lot to offer as a coach. But uh, I just, yeah, I just... Yeah, well, I mean, I want, I want to get back
0: into it, but well, time will tell. Chris, last week was our big prediction show. Um, just a couple of thoughts from you, please, with the season ahead. Uh, who do you think will be young player of the season?
1: Oh, well, I would probably say Ross, Ross McCrory for me so far. he has been.
0: No, just for heart, sorry. Oh, for heart, sorry. Hart.
1: We don't watch that primarily. i we probably, say, <laughs> I probably say Andy Irvin. I think he's,
0: yeah,
1: he's got like a maturity about him, kind of beyond his years. He's his left foot mm-hmm. is tremendous, and he's got a good, decent right foot as well. Actually, he can thread balls through both feet. But uh, yeah, but going by his performance on 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 Saturday, it looked very promising, and you kind know, of good players around him. He'll find them with their runs, and that, obviously with the pace on the wings, we've got that. That will kind of. Stop teams maybe coming out a little bit more because they'll be scared to get hit in behind. But that'll give us more possession. He can find passes. So, yeah, Andy Irvin would be. I think he'll be player
0: of the year. Yeah, good shot. The, the Portobello Portabello is certainly yep. some player. Absolutely.
1: Um, I think he, I think he's on. He's destined for really big things like Hickey. I, I believe.
0: I I'd agree with you absolutely. Aye, um, he's one of the. It's that position where it can so easily go underrated, kind of just doing all the dogs' work. But, yep. aye, aye. He's Make brilliant.
1: he can pass and he can he can do progressive passing as well as kind of sideway passing. So
0: mm-hmm. big hope for him. Yeah. And uh, with the more senior players, um there's quite a few to choose from now, really. Who do you think's gonna be overall player of the season? Who's gonna be the man for us?
1: Uh going by again earlier we touched upon it. I think Jamie Walker. I think he's came back yeah. with a new a new kind of a new attitude and, and, and realising what he's got at Hearts I think I think he's had time to think he's went down to Wigan the, the grass isn't always kind of greener on another other side I do believe that he'll finish his career with Hearts I think if a bigger team came in I think he would think very. maybe in this country if it was maybe Rangers or Celtic he would maybe, it would maybe be tough to turn down but I, I certainly don't see him going down to England uh, no. so I do, I do think uh, he's a player that I've always said could still play for Scotland because he, he, he can't pin him down to one position he can play Two or three positions, mm-hmm. um, and he and he's got a goal in him. More importantly, he's not just fancy; he can he can hit a ball with clean with two feet. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he'll he's got a big season ahead of him this year.
0: That's a great shot. Um, and finally, we've unanimously agreed on this. Paddy's got other ideas. Uh, where do you think we're going to finish this season? <laughs> I said first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just
1: it's funny because. I think Dundee, obviously, have, have, have got a half-decent team. I think Charlie Adam does give them something, which maybe not against us, but I think against the other teams, gives, gives them an edge over the other teams. So I think they'll win a lot of games with him in that, in that team. So I think they'll be they'll be our biggest challengers, them and in Inverness. If we got a good start, if we win the first couple of games, I think I think we will go and unbeaten. That's what I believe. I think we'll, there'll be a ruthlessness there. And I think, but I don't think we'll take the foot off the pedal. A lot of these teams did kind of hurt us a little bit. So I, don't, I think we've got yeah. that going for us as far as motivation is concerned. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I want to get to win at least 20 games, maybe draw draw four or five, I'd imagine. There'll be some tough games mm-hmm. there, just in general on the Astro tough, down at Arbroath, and things like that. So you won't yeah. win every single game, but you know I think we should win every home game for sure. Yeah,
5: okay.
1: and, and win most away games. So I think we'll win the, the league comfortably. But, but it's only a 27-game season. What if you lose to Dundee? lose Denver Ness first couple of games it's, it's, you're under pressure right away so I, I
0: think we'll be okay right absolutely a, a strong start is absolutely vital yeah Um, but good to hear you're positive as well Chris it's, uh, yep. it can be hard sometimes you know recording these podcasts week after week doing gloom <laughs> so aye. it's nice to hear some positivity well, you're not too bad Harry you're not too bad Um, right fuck off <laughs> Jolly <laughs> <laughs> Jolly Jambo, are, are you on the line? Are you here uh, i <laughs> oh, here. How are you doing, oh, cool, Jolly? Oh.
6: Yourself, yourself. I've been enjoying listening to the stories here, Ken.
0: Okay? <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're having a nice night, Jolly. You've been awfully <laughs> quiet, Christ. Um, have you got any questions for Chris? I've
6: got a few, like, but uh, can I just say it's just fantastic, Christy, to have a real-life football player like yourself on here, you know. It's yeah, nice yeah. speaking to these lads every week, but... You know, they don't know what me and you know either. <laughs> what it's like to be a proper athlete, Ken. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I mean, if you have no listened before, I mean, these boys, will ask the, the, the questions, you know, the easy questions and they come to me and, you know, i get to the hearts of the matter. You know, I'll, I'll ask you the, the big questions that folk want to Ken. So... Um, I've got a wee section I like to call "Hero" or "Hee Haw." (laughs) Just a few questions you just need, just need to answer honestly for the listeners' Ken. (laughs) So, first one, let me set the scene for you. You're going on your holidays, right? You arrive at the airport. The cheery wee man at reception—not reception, reception, is it? Checking, Chris. He gives he gives you two options. It's the red pill and the blue pill, kind of like in the Matrix. Except he goes, "Chris, it's an eight-hour flight, and I've got two packages for you." Package one, economy class, middle seat with Jim Jeffries and Billy Bruin either side. Billy's just getting a bit excited at this point, right? So that's package one. Package two, first class, free bar, hot towel, big seat, That works. But you go to sit with Craig Levine for the full eight hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would, you know, being from your house, I've never got above my station. So I would, I would definitely sit in the back way. And Jim and get, a, get the economy, Heineken, didn't me? Uh,
2: <laughs> I
1: shared a flight with Jarvey, you know my good laugh on the plane. So, uh, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would, yeah, you'd have to give me quite a lot of money to sit in first class with Egon, to be honest with you.
4: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Billy and Jim oh, all day long.
6: It's to hear that because, again, like, well. That was the way my question was, what they do. I was would be a bit confused if you went with the other one to be honest. <laughs> anyway, another quick one for you. Andy Holiday for the Hearts, or an all inclusive holiday for yourself. Uh,
1: an all inclusive holiday for myself.
6: Fantastic.
1: <laughs> I do like Andy holiday, but can it be an all inclusive holiday?
6: <laughs> exactly. A wee bit of a serious question. You're you're building a Hertz team from scratch, which I guess you know we might we might kind of have to be doing at the moment. But you you can pick any player of the players that you played when your day to build the team around. Who who would it be?
0: Oh, great question, Johnny. Uh,
1: I'm probably seeing Neil McCann, David Weir. David Weir saw He was made everybody around him play really really well. Neil McCann would give you obviously the width and the delivery. And obviously John Robertson to put the ball away. Uh yeah, good spine of the team. Maybe Gary Mackay as well. Good hearts, man.
6: Well, that's great, Chris. You know, uh, you know, I, I can tell you were a football player because I ask you for one, you give me give me four. You're not so good with the numbers, like. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one one guy, probably John Robertson.
6: There we go. Fantastic. And. And I guess, you know, there's, there's a big question, you know, the, the classic question that all the boys have answered on here. You know, I've got to give you, it. it's your start, bench, sell for chippy, pizza, and kebab. <laughs> I,
1: would, I would start a chippy, I would sell the pizza, I would sell the kebab,
0: and I would bench the pizza.
6: You wouldn't have got along with Jarvie then, 'cause he was—he's bunning the chippy. <laughs> I'm
0: a kebab rat man, but jolly thats the same as yours, isn't it? No,
6: aye, it's the same as me. It's the same as a uh, Hammy there. himself as well. <laughs> Good chippy men. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, I'm more uh, an exotic kind of guy. Yeah? <laughs>
6: so I think I think we've covered. It. I think we've got to the hearts of the matter there. But I did have one question for for always, You know, just just a. Eh, Judging what you getting what about the hearts and your feel for the games. Um, so, two guys that we've spoken quite a bit about tonight, Craig Levine and Jim Jeffries. Who do you think's got the better one percentage as a manager across their career? Ooh.
0: Oh, it's going to be Levine, isn't it? I'll oh, say Jeffries. I'll say Jeffries. I mean, Levine's stats absolutely plummeted over his last 12 months, surely. Aye, but remember, Jeffries was at Bradford and they were ho-chin. Ho- oh, ca- whole career stats, jolly.
6: Full managerial career. Oh,
0: you might be right, Paddy. I'm still going Jeffries. But yourself, Chris?
1: I would say Levine. So
6: the numbers are on. Hammy, <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong. I would say... <laughs> Craig Levine has a 38% win rate, Jim Jeffries doing it 30%. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And it kinda of shows the level of managers that we've got to, and that's that's how we how we play football. So what you're saying
1: is Craig Levine was right to release me and Jeffries was
0: Should've signed well. you. <laughs> <laughs> should you have you, sure? you, a you should have taken that first class package. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well thanks for that jolly um another fantastic segment this week um and I think we'll see our goodbyes um Chris O'Neill thank you oh, so much for your time we'll oh, let you get away um it's it really is, it's a heartbreaking story you know all in all you know you're, a, you're as big as Jambo as they come and it, it's just awful time and isn't it you've just had some bad yeah, luck over the years worries, but good now. The, well, you've had some good fun you've been all over the world. Like Cliftonville, just again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my question of and what was it like playing with Derek Laird and we'll never be answered <laughs> um, But no, thanks again Chris and thank you Simon, Hammy, Jolly and Paddy as well for your time tonight um, If you're not following us already on social media, you can follow us at hearts underscore podcast Then, if you want to send us an email for some reason it's heartspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com So until next time thanks for listening Push your hands for the hearts. <laughs> we'll see you again next time.